We'll be in Zechariah chapter 10 tonight. Zechariah chapter 10 and then a couple verses into, a few verses into verse chapter 11. Continuing to look at God's word through Zechariah, promising the restoration and uh, renewal of Jerusalem and the regathering of the people of God. And uh, uh, today kind of focus on, focuses on, uh, on leadership. God's anger against the shepherds and a promise to, uh, to raise up a, a new leader. So Zechariah chapter 10 is where we'll be tonight. But before we do, are there, there prayer needs, prayer concerns, things we can share together tonight? Zechariah chapter 10. Zechariah chapter 10. Remember that Zechariah is preaching uh, after the exile, uh, a small remnant of Judah has returned to Jerusalem and they've begun the rebuilding of the temple and they've grown weary and frustrated in that and things aren't really going the way that they had expected or hoped. And uh, Zechariah is, is just sharing words of encouragement to encourage them to persevere and then now looking into the future at God's uh, promise of restoration and renewal for Jerusalem. And so in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. For the idols speak delusion. The diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore the people win their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. And my anger is kindled against the shepherds. And I will punish the goat herds, for the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them as his royal horse in the battle. And from him comes the cornerstone, from him the tent peg, from him the battle bow, from him every ruler together. They shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle. They shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be put to shame. I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have, had, I have mercy on them. They shall be as though I had not cast them aside, for I am the Lord their God, and I will hear them. Those of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their hearts shall rejoice as if with wine. Yes, their children shall see it and be glad. Their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them, and they shall increase as they once increased. I will sow them among the peoples, and they shall remember me in far countries they shall live. They shall live together with their children, and they shall return. I will also bring them back from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon until no more room is found for them. He shall pass through the sea with affliction and strike the waves of the sea. All the depths of the river shall dry up. Then the pride of Assyria shall be brought down and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. So I will strengthen them in the Lord and they shall walk up and down in his name, says the Lord. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that fire may devour your cedars. Wail, O Cyprus, for the cedar has fallen because the mighty trees are ruined. Wail, O oaks of Bashan, for the thick forest has come down. 
There is the sound of wailing shepherds, for their glory is in ruins. There is the sound of roaring lions, for the pride of Jordan is in ruins. And so uh, uh, Zechariah begins by, uh, by calling on the people to ask the Lord to provide for rain. And so this passage speaks of God's sovereignty. God is sovereign and He rules over all. But He mediates His rule through human instruments. God is sovereign over all and He rules the uh, universe, but He has purpose to, to use, uh, to raise up leaders from His people, among His people, and He raises up human leaders and He commands submission to human leaders. God is the God of order. He created order in creation. And uh, then He established institutions that create an environment that sinful people, where sinful people can live together without destroying each other, without devouring each other. The first institution God created was the institution of the family uh, that has order and design, the, uh, uh, the, the husband, the, the, the father, the man, the responsibility to protect, to provide, uh, the responsibility of the wife to line up under the servant leadership of her husband. There is order within the family. And then the second institution that he created was the institution of the state, institution of government. And every, uh, every authority comes from God. God rises up, raises up human leaders. They are his servants. They are his ministers. And people are called to line up under the authority of those human leaders. But one thing about that leadership is the truth that God mediates his rule through human leaders. But what is true of every single human leader? Every single human leader is sinful, a sinner. All these leaders are, 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 are sinners, and sinful leaders have a tendency to abuse the power that's entrusted to them. Um, sinful leaders can lead the people that they lead into sin, and there are devastating consequences for both the people and the leaders when that occurs. And so chapter 10 and chapter 11 talk about the consequences of leadership uh, talk about leadership and the consequences for God's people, and uh, and and here you know Zechariah speaks of of the false leaders or the poor leaders that they had had in the past. Uh, the the uh, predominant image for for successful leadership in the Scripture is that of a shepherd. Um, he uses here the image of the, the, the shepherd and, uh, and says that the people are in trouble because there is no shepherd. Israel's leadership had failed them. Israel's leaders had led them into idolatry. Israel's leaders had led them to trust in the pagan gods of their neighbors instead of, uh, uh, instead of trusting in the Lord. They were led to trust in the idols uh, for the fer fertility of the land. But as Zechariah reminds them that the Lord is sovereign, ask the Lord for rain, verse 1. In the time of the latter rain, the Lord will make flashing clouds. The Lord will, will send thunderstorms. He will give showers of rain. And He will cause the rain to make the grass grow so that there will be plenty for the livestock and for the people. Um, and, uh, and so they, they are commanded to, to seek the Lord, to turn from those 
pagan idols that they had trusted before that had resulted in their going into exile and to, uh, to believe that the Lord controls the, the weather. He controls the climate. And they are to seek the Lord to provide rain and not the false gods of their neighbors. Uh, and, and he speaks here of the latter rain, uh, the land in which they dwelt, the, uh, the land of Israel, uh, would have spring rains in March and April, and these rains were essential to the production of crops, and, uh, and so they, these rains were crucial for the survival of the nation in the land. Um, and so they were uh, 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 commanded to seek the Lord in times of drought. It was very tempting to, uh, uh, to turn to the gods of their neighbors. Uh, but Zacharias says those idols speak delusion. They, they envision lies. They tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. And because the, the, the shepherds were unfaithful, the people have gone astray like sheep, and they're in trouble, afflicted, because there were no shepherds. They were sent into exile because of the failure of their human Leaders And now that they've returned from exile, there is no king. There is no uh, king in Israel. They are lined up under the authority of the Persian king. They have a, a, a governor, Zerubbabel, but they have no king, and, and they are therefore in danger of wandering away again. So Zechariah uh, reminds them to seek the Lord. And then the Lord speaks of his anger against the, the shepherds and you know, the image of a shepherd is an image that God frequently uses to describe leadership. Uh, the Lord is, you know, the Scripture tells us that the Lord is our shepherd, and He exercises His rule through under-shepherds, through, through human leaders. And so this is a common, a common uh, image for spiritual leadership. What are some of the roles that the shepherd performs? Okay, He protects the sheep. Provides, feeds the sheep. All right, he, he, he rescues and seeks, seeks the lost. So he, he rescues those who've gone astray, seeks, seeks after lost sheep, and then, you know, and then gathers them. And so the shepherd, uh, uh, you know, feeds, he guides, so, so he, he leads, guides the sheep. Um, but the shepherds had been unfaithful, and God's wrath is kindled against them. The people had gone into exile, and God's anger, he now says, my anger is kindled against the shepherds. And, I'll, and, and not only the shepherds, he also says, I will punish the goat herds. And so in the image in scripture, the sheep represent God's people. And in Matthew 25, what do the goats represent? The other people. <laughs> yeah, those who uh, uh, other and so so not only is God angry at the shepherds of his people Israel, but he's angry at the rulers of the other nations, the nations that had been used by him to oppress Israel. And uh, he's going to talk about Egypt and Assyria and Lebanon later in the passage. And so uh, his anger is kindled against the shepherds. And not only that, he will also punish the goat herds, the leaders of those other nations. And so God's uh, holding the human leaders accountable. 
accountable to himself. They are his servants, they are his ministers, and even if they do not know God, they are accountable to him and responsible to him uh, because ultimately God is sovereign. And God will punish the leaders. My anger is kindled against the shepherds, and I will punish the goat herds, and then the Lord himself will visit his flock. And so uh, he himself will visit his flock, and, uh, and, and he will punish those leaders. You know, we know from the Scripture that the, uh, the Lord holds leaders to a higher standard, and he says that he will punish this, the goat herds, and he himself will visit his flock. And uh, notice his title. Zechariah uses this title all, all the time, over and over, uh, calling God the Lord of hosts, reminding us of God's sovereignty. He is the commander-in-chief of all the armies of heaven and the armies of the earth. And, uh, and kind of in contrast to the shepherd, the Lord of hosts will come now and visit this flock. This commander uh, will come and, and, uh, and, and, and visit his, his flock. And he will hold these leaders accountable and he will gather his people. And then uh, uh, when he punishes the leaders and he comes and he gathers his people, he's going to raise up a new leader. The Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them as his royal horse in the battle. And so uh, uh, the Lord is the commander of armies and he will visit his people. And those sheep, that flock, the flock of Judah, will be made as a royal horse. So you see the, the, the contrast. The, there's a big difference between a sheep and a battle horse, a steed that is used to ride into battle. So these sheep will become a war, house, the, a war horse. The flock will become a troop. And from this mighty troop, the Lord will raise up a new leader. Uh, he will make the, the, the flock of his people, the house of Judah, like a royal horse in battle. And from Judah is going to come another leader. And uh, what, are, what, what are some images that he uses to describe this new leader that's going to come from the flock of his people that's going to come from Judah? What does he call this new leader? Cornerstone. A cornerstone? All right, and what, what is a cornerstone? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the most important stone, the, the foundation stone, the stone that is, that is laid first and is essential for the stability and the strength of the structure. And so, uh, and so this new leader is going to come and he's going to be a, a cornerstone, a foundation stone. And, uh, uh, and, and so this house, this, the, the house of Judah is going to be built on this cornerstone that's going to give it strength and structure and stability. And then what else does he call this leader? Okay, a nail. Does somebody ha have another translation? Tent peg, yeah, okay, so uh, uh, the, the nail that, that is, goes into the corners and, uh, uh, and provides structure and stability to a tent peg. So what's the difference between a cornerstone and a tent peg? Yeah, so, so a tent peg would provide 
stability and strength to a temporary structure. So it, 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 it does for a temporary structure what the cornerstone does for a permanent structure, right? Holds it into the ground, keeps it upright and, and firm, stability and structure. And so the cornerstone is, uh, secures a building, a house, and a tent peg secures a tent, a temporary structure. And, uh, uh, and he's going to talk about the house of, he's already talked about the house of Judah in verse 3, and he's going to talk about the tent of his people. And so the difference between a cornerstone and a tent peg is mobility. And God's leader is going to provide security to both. Those permanent structures and God's people will also be on the move. They will no longer be limited to the land, but they will be on the go. They will be on the move. And so, uh, you know, it could be, it could be that, that this is just poetry using the two terms as parallel, or it could be a way of saying that God's people will continue to be a people on the move. And so even when they are moving to the ends of the earth, He will raise up a ruler for them that will give strength and stability even in temporary dwelling places. And, and, and the image of battle, the, the, the image of a tent is consistent with the image of a battle. Soldiers go into the field, live in temporary structures, advance, and, uh, and take those temporary structures with them. And so, uh, so, so he's the cornerstone, he's the tent peg. What else is this new ruler going to be? In, uh, in verse, uh, the, the, the verse 5, he's the, like a mighty man, like a soldier. Verse 4, after the tent peg, from him the battle bow. And so, uh, so he's also going to be a weapon, an offensive weapon. This new leader will be a weapon in the hand of God, an instrument that God uses to bring his judgment and his wrath upon uh, uh, the enemy's of his people and the enemies of him, and so uh, so this 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 new leader will be a weapon, an instrument in the hands of the Lord, and uh, f- from him every ruler. Uh, so uh, he will be this this leader will be the ruler of rulers. He will be the king of kings. He will be the Lord of lords. He will be a a sovereign ruler under him. All the other rulers will line up under their authority. And so, uh, so he's going to raise up a new leader. He will judge the shepherds that had been unfaithful and led his people astray. Uh, his people were in trouble because they lacked a leader. They had no shepherd. They were, they were uh, everyone turning according to their own way. But God from Judah was going to raise up a new leader that's going to provide strength and security and be a weapon uh, in the hands of the Lord to bring all rulers into submission. And so verse 4, he talks about this new leader, and then verse 5, he goes back to they, back to the house of Judah, back to his people. And so he's going to raise up this new leader who will lead his people, and they shall be like mighty men. And so they will line up under this, this new ruler, they will line up under this king, and they themselves will be mighty soldiers, mighty warriors. 
and these mighty men will tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets and in battle. And so uh, kind of back to the image of the, of the, 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 the royal horse in battle. <coughs> and so they, these royal horses will trample over the enemies. You know, in the ancient world, historians tell us that uh, in, in battles, that is, you know, the enemy soldiers, many enemy soldiers were killed by the crushing blows of horses', horses hooves landing on vital body parts as many were killed by the just trampled by the horses as were killed by the arrows and the spears and the swords in battle and so uh, these 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 horses are are mighty weapons in themselves and uh, uh, the image in verse 5 is these mighty men the house of Judah are going to tread down their enemies in the mire of streets in the battle and uh, and they will fight because the Lord is with them and the riders on the horses shall be put to shame. And so the people of God will fight alongside the Lord, and the Lord will give them victory. And the enemy horses will be put to shame and will retreat in defeat. And so the Lord promises that He is going to judge the shepherds, and He will raise up a new leader that will lead His people in victory. And then uh, verse 6 the Lord promises that He will strengthen the house of Judah and save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back. So the Lord is going to punish His leaders. He's going to raise up a new leader and turn His people into weapons in His hands. And He will strengthen and gather His people, both Judah and Joseph. God's people had been divided. They had been scattered. But God says they will be regathered and reunited. God will bring them back. He will have mercy on them. They had gone into exile because they uh, cried out to the deceptive idols. They were in trouble because their shepherds had led them astray. They had been sent into exile, but God would call them back. I will bring them back. I will have mercy on them. And it will be as if He had never sent them into exile. For I am the Lord their God, and I will hear them. And so God promises to regather His people and He promises the covenant blessings. Uh, they will be restored. They will be renewed. And the covenant blessings of His presence, verse 7, those of Ephraim shall be like mighty man, and their hearts shall rejoice as if with wine. Yes, their children shall see it and be glad. The hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them and they shall increase as they once increased. And so He will gather His people, they will be restored, and they will experience the blessings of His covenant. And, uh, uh, and then there will, there will be a new exodus. And so in verses 9 through 11, we have the image of the exodus. Uh, and so, so the coming back from exile is going to be like a new exodus. Verse 9, I will sow them among the peoples. They shall remember me in far countries. They shall live together with their children, and they shall return. I will also bring them back from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon until no more room is found for them. And so he will bring them out 
restore the land and there will be fruitfulness and prosperity and they will occupy even land to Gilead on the east bank of the Jordan River all the way to Lebanon, all the way to the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. He will bring them back and they will overflow the land, an image that we've already seen in Zechariah. There will be fruitfulness and they will spill out of the land and go among the far countries in verse 9. And so uh, no longer limited to the land, but all sow them among all the peoples, and in far countries they shall live. Verse 11, image of the exodus, they will pass through the sea with affliction and strike the waves of the sea. All the depths of the river shall dry up, and the pride of Assyria shall be brought down, and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. God is going to defeat the enemies of His people, regather them, and bestow upon them the blessings of His covenant because of His mercy and His grace. And then verse 12, I will strengthen them in the Lord, and they shall walk up and down in His name. And so the, uh, the purpose of regathering His people is God's glory. He will restore His people. He will show His mercy and grace upon them. He will give them strength. And they will walk up and down in His name. They will, they will, they will uh, be obedient to the covenant. And they will reflect His character and His commands to the world. And so the purpose of the regathering and the restoration is God's own glory. That, they, that His people will reflect His glory and reflect His character in the world. And then uh, verse 11, he, he, he goes back to the judgment on the goat herds, those foreign, those foreign nations. Open your doors, O Lebanon, that fire may de- devour your cedars. And so now the image shifts from a goat herd to a tree. Uh, the, the, the trees representing the human leaders and, uh, uh, and, and also those resources that were so valuable to those nations uh, the cedars of Lebanon, the oaks of Bashan, uh, are going to be devoured by the Lord. And there will be the sound of wailing shepherds, for their glory is in ruins. There is the sound of roaring lions. The pride of the Jordan is in ruins. And so the first three chapters of chapter, uh, first, three, first three verses of chapter 11 uh, return to God's judgment on the leaders of neighboring Nations, referring to them as trees. And these rulers had been like lions devouring the people of God, but now uh, God's wrath is going to come upon them. Uh, They will be destroyed so that God's people can return and dwell safely in the land. And so as Zechariah speaks to these people who've come back to exile, God continues to promise a future victory for His people and for His kingdom. They're in difficult circumstances. Things don't look like they're going well. They're harassed by their neighbors. The building of the temple is going slow. But God promises uh, victory and a restoration and a renewal of Jerusalem. And He promises that He will raise up new leadership. The shepherds had led them astray or there had been no shepherds and they had gone astray. But God said He's going to raise up a new leader. Going to raise up a new leader from within Judah that is going to fight for them and protect them and save them from the nations. And He promises to bring the people back 
and bless them with His presence and the blessings of living in a covenant relationship with Him. And so, uh, so we have these two images of, of the Lord's leader, the image of the shepherd and, and this warrior leader that's going to, to lead His people. And in the New Testament, uh, we see the fulfillment of this prophecy and the coming of Jesus Christ from the house of Judah, from the line of David. And we see this leader that presents himself as the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep and then takes it up again. And he calls his sheep to himself. He gathers them. They follow him because they know his name. They know his voice. And they come to him and he gives them life. And the good shepherd gathers them. He feeds them. He protects them. He goes and he seeks and he saves them. He rescues his sheep and brings them to himself and gives them everlasting life. And so, uh, so we see Jesus, the, the good shepherd. The shepherds of the old covenant had led the people astray. They had been in danger because there was no shepherd. But God is going to raise up for his people and send to his people a good shepherd who bleeds and uh, uh, lays down his life for the sheep and takes it up again and gathers them to himself. And the good shepherd is also a warrior. And so this new leader has all the characteristics of a shepherd, but he's also a warrior. And he gathers his people and then sends them out to fight. And so from Judah, the flock becomes a, a, a royal horse. The flock becomes a troop. The sheep become royal horses. And so Jesus gathers His people and then He sends them out to, to fight. But in the New Covenant, we see the battle's not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And the weapons are not physical weapons. Since the enemy is spiritual, the weapons that are used to defeat them must also be spiritual. The, the people of God gird themselves with the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness, the boots of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And so the shepherd gathers his people, and then they become instruments in his hand for the advancement of his kingdom. Uh, the, the good shepherd is also a warrior. The Lamb of God is also the Lion of Judah. And so the leader is lamb-like and lion-hearted. And he gathers his people, and his people become warriors in the advancement of his kingdom. Now the war was won with the death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, but the battle continues until his return. He, he returns. His kingdom has come. He gathers his people to himself, and his people will be his offensive weapon. Uh, Offensive, as in not defensive, not offensive, as, as in giving offense. Not offensive. Offensive, not offensive. But uh, uh, God uses His people and the leaders of His people as weapons in His spiritual warfare. And so when we come to God in repentance and faith, we become soldiers in His army, weapons in His hand. And the church that Christ builds will be an offensive weapon in the... Uh, uh, offensive weapon in the hands of the Lord. Um, the church built on Jesus as the cornerstone 
will kick down the gates of hell and set captives free. When Jesus took his followers to Caesarea Philippi, he asked them, Who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said, I am, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus told Peter, You're right. And flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And on this rock, this confession that Christ is the, 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 the Son of the living God, that He is the Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And uh, uh, the church in the hands of the, the warrior, the Lion of Judah, will kick down the gates of hell and set captives free. And we go forward into battle with the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We go forth into battle with the message that Jesus has died for the sins of His people and risen from the dead with our our feet uh, uh, shooed with the gospel of peace that Christ has died for the sins of His people and He has risen from the dead. We go forth into battle with the message that God has commanded all people everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. And those who believe are born again to new life. And the gates of hell are kicked down. And those who've been held captive are set free. And uh, uh, set free to walk up and down in His name, says the Lord. The purpose of our redemption is the glory of God. To show God's glory. To reflect His character and His glory in the world. And so this, this king is the Lamb of God. And a shepherd who is also a mighty warrior. He protects, He provides for His, his sheep, He gathers them, He rescues them, He feeds them. Uh, and then the wolves, He tramples underneath His feet. Treads down the enemies in the, in the mire of the sheep and the, the streets in the battle. He will fight because the Lord is with them and He kicks down the gates of hell and sets captives free. And so Zechariah talks to a discouraged and weary people and assures them of victory and the restoration and God's faithfulness to His promises and to His covenant. And, uh, and he encourages them to seek the Lord and assures that God will strengthen them and they will walk up and down in His name and bring Him glory. So he tells the people, You've been in trouble because there's no leader. But God is going to raise up a leader that will lead you to victory and will gather every one of his sheep and not lose a single one. So he gives his people hope. Questions about Zechariah chapter 10? Yes, sir. Um, so are you, you asking if the temple has to be rebuilt before Jesus returns? Is that your question? Well, Zechariah is referring to a temple that is being built. It's about halfway done. And so Zerubbabel's temple is under construction. Um, and, and the spiritual house that Jesus will build is the church. He will be the cornerstone of the church because the temple actually becomes obsolete with the death and resurrection of Jesus. No more sacrifices are required. 
Jesus made the once and for all sacrifice. Um, the temple is the symbol of God's presence among his people. But Jesus is Emmanuel, and we become temples of the Holy Spirit. And so the house that's being built in the new covenant is the church. Jesus is the cornerstone, and we like living stones are being built upon him. So I think he's pointing to, to the church and not a physical temple. Um, and, and I personally believe that, you know, that the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem is not a prerequisite for the coming of Jesus, that Jesus could come now, even though there's no temple in Jerusalem, that his return is imminent. So, so the promise is the building of the spiritual house, the church, in my understanding. All right, good question. Any other thoughts? And so, you know, the, the leaders, like Jesus, are called to be like shepherds, gathering the sheep, but also mighty warriors, protecting the sheep from wolves and, uh, and from thieves. And so... Leaders have to have both of those skill sets <laughs> to, to gather people and to run off wolves. So the shepherd has to have two voices. A voice that gathers the sheep and frightens away the wolves. <laughs> and the scripture gives him the ability to do, to do both. And, that's, and, and Jesus certainly does, does both. Lamb-like and lion-hearted. Uh, he is the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. And... Uh, and, and, and human leaders need both of those skills as well. All right, any other thoughts? All right, let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the Lamb who was slain so that we might have life. And Lord, we thank you for the Lion of Judah raised from the dead and a, a mighty warrior saving us from, from wolves and from thieves. And we thank you that Jesus is a good shepherd and did not run away when the thieves came. But he laid down his life and took it up again and gathers the sheep and defends them and gives them everlasting life. Lord, we're thankful that Jesus will not use, lose a single one of his sheep and that He will guarantee the victory and, and guarantee strength, Lord. And, and Lord, we pray that You equip us for spiritual battle. Help us to be instruments in Your hands. And Lord, help us to be uh, lamb-like and, and shepherd and, and, and have a voice that comforts and encourages and gathers sheep and, and also a voice that frightens away the wolves and the thieves that seek to kill and destroy. And so, Lord, we pray that You... Help us to be wise and discerning and help us to be instruments in your hands, instruments of grace and instruments of truth. Lord, help us as we seek to be faithful and to walk in and out in your ways and to bring you glory and reflect, reflect your character in the world in which we live. Thank you for our church. Lord, we pray for protection and we pray for provision. And Lord, we pray that you would... Uh, Grant us courage to stand and to be your people, uh, assured of 
final victory. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.